0: So hey guys, we're back with another podcast and today we have an awesome guest. Uh, His name is Ernest Marsh and if you don't know who Ernest Marsh is, by the time you're done, you're going to love him as much as I do and he's got a fabulous story and and I can't wait for him to share it with you. Of course, I want to thank the folks over at the Tombstone Epitaph. That is Arizona's longest-running newspaper. Uh, one year is twenty-five. Two years is forty-five bucks. And three years is sixty. I urge you to do the three years. That way, you can save fifteen dollars instead of doing an individual year-to-year membership or subscription. And uh, you get Arizona's longest-running newspaper, the Epitaph, right out of Tombstone. Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp, all the cowboys. You get that paper delivered right to your door, and I urge you to do that. Also, I want to thank my friends over at the Wild West History Association, and you can um, you can find out about them at wildwesthistory.org. Um, we just came out of Rapid City, our roundup, which was five days in Rapid City. Uh, we went to Mount Rushmore, the Cherokee sculpture. Uh, or the Indian sculpture, I'm not sure of the name, the Indian sculpture. We spent a day in Deadwood. We went to dinner at this this Fort Hayes chuck wagon dinner thing that was all taken care of through the uh, Wild West History Association. So if you're looking for history with true provenance, including the journal, reach out to the folks at Wild West History. Become a member at wildwesthistory.org. So in... February 2021, True West Magazine came out with an article written by Art Burton called The Real Lone Ranger. And Bass Reeves had passed by my view multiple times, but I didn't really know who he was. And so I read the article that's going to end up putting me into buying Art's book and um, and Art has a book out called Black Gun, Silver Star. And you can find this book at artburton.com. But what fascinated me was there was through this reading and research about Bass Reeves, a man showed up named Ernest Marsh. And Ernest has taken on the life of Bass Reeves in a theatrical presentation that I watched some of the video like, I haven't seen it, but people were giving him a standing ovation. And he, in his later years, when you see Bass Reeves later years and you look at Ernest, it's, it's an exact match. It's, it's a, it's a dead ringer, so to speak. And, and it's just phenomenal how much the two look alike. So it, it made me then focus my attention on Ernest by looking up his Facebook looking to see what, what is this guy doing? He's everywhere. And I knew through reading about Ernest, I'm like, I have to have him on the podcast. And we made some contact and we discussed back and forth through text messages and phone calls. And we have him here today. Welcome, sir.
1: Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much.
0: Well, I hope I didn't build you up too much. Um, I, I will follow you around the country doing your, your, uh, introduction, if you want me to, um, but you have an amazing story. You've—I'm going to share a little bit about Ernest before we get into it, because he and I want him to expound on some things. He—he yes, um, he is a uh, he trained. He was in the military, and I want him to. He'll share his military background. He was a military police officer. He's a certified NRA instructor. You've been on multiple TV shows, which are. It was a list. I I went on on SAG. He's a member of SAG, um, Screen Actors Guild. And I went on SAG and looked at his resume, which is insane. But he's been on Yellowstone. Uh, I think you have an upcoming part in Interview with a Vampire.
1: Yes, sir, I do. Uh,
0: The legendary Bass Reeves. He was in 1883. I I can't even imagine how awesome that would be. (laughs) That was Uh, awesome. That was very awesome. I know, and we're going to talk about that. And then Yellowstone, he had a stand-in for Yellowstone. He was in the show The Harder They Fall, and and another one called Outer Range. You've been all over theater doing your one-man production, one-man play, Bass Reeves, Deputy and U.S. Marshal. He has a Facebook page. If you want to look him up on Facebook and follow him, you can find him at Ernest Marsh, uh, Actor, stuntman, and wrangler. He is a reenactor. Like, what are you not doing? Like, you're everywhere right now, and it's it's well deserved. So congratulations on the success.
1: Thank you very much. Um, uh, it's it's been it's been a long journey, and uh the background that I have is uh, I was born and raised in San Francisco. Uh, my parents are I guess they're considered middle class blue. Blue collar workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother uh, cleaned houses uh, in San Francisco for some of the uh, uh, the wealthy, uh, including like Diane Feinstein. Uh, Diane Feinstein, um, <clears throat> and my father was the uh, first black painter for the city of San Francisco. So that afforded us, uh, you know, uh, a little better living than say some other people that uh, were instilled in the in the black, you know, predominantly black neighborhoods. Um, cause so we moved to the outer mission called the Excelsior district in San Francisco. And it's, it's a, uh, alive and well, uh, full blown Italian community. Uh, I grew up with, uh, folks that were second, third generation, you know, uh, going to their dinner table and having a wine when I was seven years old. It's like, <laughs> it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. But, uh, Growing up in that, in that neighborhood, it was really diverse in regards to racial, back, uh, you know, uh, back <coughs> breakdowns. Uh, uh, Italians, uh, Mexican-Americans, black Americans, Chinese-Americans, Korean-Americans, Filipino-Americans, um, uh, Jewish-Americans. It was just such a diverse neighborhood that we didn't need to be bused when the busing issue came to light. Where people had to be bussed to, to, uh, For you know. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was, uh, it was just one of those things that we just were, it was a very happy, uh, happy time. And, uh, what I have to do is, is go back and ex- explain to people that my father is from, uh, Western Louisiana, uh, Shreveport, uh, a little, little town south of that called Mansfield. And my mother is from Waco, Texas. So when they came to California after World War II, uh, they stayed. And they decided to leave the South because of Jim Crow. And, but when they came to California, they brought the country with them. Uh, you know, the country was in them. And so, it, therefore, when I was raised and brought up, the country, uh, they shared the country with me. Uh, rural lifestyle, animals, you know farming, and uh, it was always a pleasure uh, when, when our dad treated us uh, we would go by a you know on Sunday drives after church we would drive by a place that rented horses by the hour, and mm. that was something my father religiously gave us was at least once a month to take his horseback riding. And that's where I developed a love for, for horses and my mother even said, Hey, oh, you have a horse in Waco, mm-hmm. <laughs> Texas. I never saw that horse. <laughs> but uh but it was uh it was nice growing up knowing that yes, I, I own the horse.
0: But um, But when you grew up in San Francisco were you in San Francisco or were yes, you sir. you were in a neighborhood. So Yes. But You know, you could, in that time, you could head to Gilroy and be in the country, or you could head to Vacaville, which was really in the country. And and your dad is doing this to instill, and and I'm going to say this, I'm blue collar, I do air conditioning for a living. So as soon as you said dad's a painter and mom's, I love them both. Like, they're automatically, are they still with us? Yes, they are. Um, Oh, my my gosh.
1: Uh, it'll be 90 this year. My mom will be,
0: uh, 88. Are they still live in the Bay area? Yes, sir. They do. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I got to make a trip to the Bay cause is, um, <laughs> because, uh, I got, I, I, you know, when you're blue collar proud, it doesn't matter. You know, and especially, I love what you said about housekeepers because housekeepers, yeah. people think that housekeepers or gardeners, let's say, that yes. that is their blue collar as much as anybody else. They're working with their hands. It's back-breaking work, and, they're, yeah. and there's a sense of pride that you get in completing a job or completing a task. So, man, I just love your mom and dad even. You know, I don't yeah, even I, know them, but I love them.
1: I, uh, I, had, uh, I have two brothers, one older brother and one younger brother, and I have two older sisters and one younger sister, and unfortunately, I lost my two older sisters to lupus, um, which mm. runs in our, our family. And uh, and it was sad because they left uh, way too soon. Right.
0: Um,
1: but uh, my my dad was from Louisiana. They grew up hunting, fishing, and that's what I did. I, I hunted and I fished. And uh, a lot of people will understand that when you grow up in San Francisco, it's it's city, but yet it's just a place to live, a place to work. But... You know, your lifestyle takes you outside of the city, takes you to other places, and that's what what happened is that we started going to different places to hunt and fish, and uh, hmm. when once we left the city, uh, the radio stations AM FM, uh, the only stations that came in were country western stations, and uh, so I, I grew uh, uh, an affinity for for listening to country western music. Uh, I was like the only one of two uh, black guys in high school in San Francisco that listened to uh, country, country western. The other guy was from Oklahoma. (laughs) So (laughs) Anyway, uh, but uh, we we enjoyed uh, growing up. We enjoyed the trips, you know, camping to Yosemite, camping to Kings Canyon, uh, hunting and fishing. I would uh, get picked up by my grandmother and my step grandfather for the summer. To go set up hunt camp and then uh where did uh, they live the uh they lived in the Bay area also they they lived in San Francisco oh. and uh my step grandfather was a retired engineer from the army and uh my grandmother she you know cleaned houses as well uh with my mother mm. and so on the weekends it was uh and my you know uh step grandfather owned a boat uh you know uh so we would fish go fishing out there on the Delta uh you know, or San Pablo Bay, yep. or, you know, or we would, you know, go uh, rent a, you know, rent a boat, uh charter boat, and go deep sea fishing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a freezer, and our freezer uh, in, in our house was full of game, you know, mm-hmm. deer, pheasants.
0: Fish and all that. Not we, uh, we go.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then my dad would also buy a side of beef uh you know have it in the freezer but it, 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 that's how I grew up And uh our neighborhood uh there was no racial division uh everybody uh was welcome everybody else's home uh we spent you know d- dinners we would exchange different places our mothers even got together one summer and exchanged recipes uh for a week uh and it was my mother makes some of the best lasagna and uh and uh this food called uh Filipino food. Uh, she she makes as well. But in uh, growing up in San Francisco, you're 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 used to the diversity of of people. And so then, when we started leaving the city, we started getting into rural uh, California, small towns. Um, not not seeing as many black people. Hardly any at all. Um, and you know, and that's why one of the reasons why my dad had a station wagon was because, uh, we weren't allowed or couldn't get rooms in a hotel or a motel. We slept mm-hmm. in the car, uh, on the side of the road, um, for, for, you know, for, for our safety and for the lack of having, uh, places available to us. But, um, once, once I grew up, I, I decided to leave San Francisco, uh, Played, played sports and uh, went into the military, became a military police officer, and uh, after that I became a, a police assistant, a police officer, uh, worked myself up up the ladder, and got into uh, private security, um, and I got into working for the state of California uh, Department of Motor Vehicles as an administrative law judge for uh, DMV, wow. and uh, I was the... Uh, administrative hearing officer uh, one of three uh we were delegated uh of hearing rodney king's case on his driver license and uh we uh, did that and suspended his license or revoked it or whatever but it it, it happened twice (laughs) people don't understand it happened twice to rodney king uh where he got him got him you know Trouble with law and uh, had his license, uh, driver license taken taken away from him. But bless his heart, he's not with us now. So, but, uh, you know, the only thing I can take away from Rodney King is his saying is, why can't we all get along?
0: Right.
1: Right. So, yep. but, uh, other than that, it's, it, it was, it was really, you know, I, I tried to do as much as I could, uh, in law enforcement. I was a San Francisco police cadet for three years, uh, high school ROTC. Um, uh, people don't understand that uh, high school ROTC back in the day, they had a rifle team and, uh, we actually shot rifles, uh, 22 rifles on school property in the, uh, in the armory. Um, I don't think that's happening now. I think that's long gone, long but, gone. yeah, that was the trust that, that people had, you know, back in the day that, uh. You know, if you're a responsible person, uh, you can have a case to the armory and go practice after football. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's 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 gone. That's gone. But well,
0: I want to uh, thank you for your service. First off, as a military police officer, including your service in California and in in the law enforcement, the law, and trying to think of the word law enforcement. When you became a police officer or a military police officer, you. Was that what you signed up for, or did you sign up for basic, you know, just the basics? And then somebody said, or you said, "I want to branch off into this," or did you sign up as an MP? I
1: I signed up as a. Uh, uh, I was actually recruited uh, to West Point because uh, I I was the uh, quarterback for our football team, and we were fourteen and zero. We took the the uh, city championship. Um, and we were, uh, we got a Senate resolution saying we were the best team almost ever up until I guess last year, the year before last, when uh, my high school won the state championship. So they they did uh, one better. But, um, when I was recruited by West Point, um, they said, uh, I was on an academic scholarship, and they said, the only reason why we're giving you this academic scholarship is that. Uh, you're a minority. And I, 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 that just didn't sit right with me. Mm. And I said, I want to get to West Point on my own merit. And, uh, that's where, where we had a parting of the ways and it didn't happen. Uh, so when I went in initially, it was to go in as a, uh, reserve, you know, officer training corps. Uh, but I took the oath so that I went into the army and, uh, had a choice between dental school and uh, dental technician school uh, or military police. So my career path was already uh, military, you know, it was already law enforcement, being a police cadet for San Francisco Police Department for three years. Um, so I chose being a military police officer. Mm.
0: I don't see you as a dentist. <laughs> Open your mouth. I don't want to. And then these... This big man comes over the top of me. I'm I'm taking that tooth out.
1: Yeah, one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I re- I remember the times that we used to have a you know tie the string to your tooth and tie it to the yeah. doorknob and slam the door. <laughs> I,
0: I don't I don't think Doctor Doctor Marsh would do it that way, right? Um, right. But, so, uh, but you became a police officer, and, and did that take you all around the world, or were you stationed in one, one place? What no, did you do? Yeah, I, was, I
1: was only stationed in here uh, stateside. Uh, there was, during that time back in the late 70s, early 80s, it was nothing going on, uh, you know. The Cold was, War. The peace, peace time, yeah, there was nothing. I think Grenada, Grenada may have happened, uh, but that was, you know, somebody else entirely different. But other than that, it was just just a quiet time. You know, a couple of, you know, call-outs for, you know, uh, what do they call it, uh... Military assistance, civil, uh, natural disasters, civil disasters, or whatever. But uh, other than that, it was quiet. And so, once I uh, completed that, um, it, it took me out of the uh, San Francisco. I moved to the uh, Sacramento uh, area and um, met up with what's called the uh, the Buffalo Soldiers. Oh. Um, and they were uh, the Tenth calf uh, mounted mounted uh, Cavalry uh, Buffalo Soldiers. And I said, wow, I, I, I really like these guys. Because at the same time, they were canceling the uh, Buffalo Soldiers stamp. And uh, so I, I said, can I do this? Uh, you know, asked one of the you know guys. He goes, yeah, you can do it. So uh, I, had, I had horses by then. And uh, um, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll ride my horse. And uh, I'll meet you guys. And we... that that whatever day it was when that the uh, buffalo soldier stamp came out and we were one of the first cancellations of that buffalo soldier stamp in sacramento Mm. um was it was awesome so as a result of that uh i started participating more with the buffalo soldiers and uh riding more and going to different different events uh one event we went to was in Marysville, California, called Jim Beckworth Days. Uh, Jim Beckworth was a frontiersman, and, uh, and I portray him also in my reenacting and living history. Uh, but Beck- Beckworth was, a, was one of the greatest frontiersmen uh, ever. Uh, people don't realize that when they saw the movie The Revenant, uh, Beckworth was a part of Ashley's 100, uh, 100 Good Men. And uh so he was there uh when when that those that was going on, uh but they didn't really portray uh Beckworth at all in the revenant. And there was a few people of color that they flashed, but there was no uh feature of of, of jim Beck, Beckworth james james Pearson Beckworth
0: but so you know, I, I'm sorry go. ahead.
1: So as a, res, as a result of uh, doing the, the reenactment for the Beckworth days, uh, I, I, I started learning history because as a result of going hunting in Northern California with my family, uh, my father and, you know, uh, uncles, grandparents, uh, we started going to these places that started making sense in regards to uh, Beckworth Trail, you know, the Donner Pass, you know Lake tahoe, you know the the uh, Sutter's mill um, all these different historical places uh fort Ross uh in northern California mm-hmm. um, you know just in Yosemite all those places, and then uh then we started you know, driving through different Indian reservations and I'm like an Indian reservation. I mean, they still have these, <laughs> you know, uh, up in Northern California, the, the Hopi or the the, uh, we uh, yeah, have the hope uh, and Round Valley outside of Covalo. But it's, it's just that piqued my interest. And, um, uh, and I said, wow, uh, I want to do this more. So, you know, you start acquiring, you know, the uniforms, you start acquiring the gear, uh, so that you can present yourself in a way that's 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 you know believable believable. Um, one thing that we did with the 10th Cavalry Buffalo Soldiers was that we were invited to the Presidio of San Francisco when the Presidio changed hands from the military to the National Park Service and the Presidio was decommissioned as an army base, and they uh, asked us to come, the 10th Cavalry Buffalo Soldiers. We did an encampment, and we uh, did like they did before, you know, back in the day, because Buffalo Soldiers were actually uh, encamped at the Presidio to protect, um, you know, the settlers in Northern California and also protect the resources up in Yosemite. Um, so they would trek from Yosemite back to the Presidio, Presidio back to Yosemite on horseback. Um, so we did our encampment and we took down the flag and handed the flag over to the to the Park Service, and that was that was pretty neat.
0: That's pretty cool. So if you're listening and you're like, I want to know more about um, Ernest, I urge you to go on Facebook and find Ernest Marsh actor stuntman and wrangler like his page he's posting all sorts of content uh he doesn't have a website this is this is about as close as you're going to get you don't have a website correct no i don't just the uh
1: the the facebook uh you know instagram is out there i believe right uh but as far as social media it's pretty much all on uh
0: facebook right and so that's why i want to make sure that folks that are listening say oh my god i gotta know more about this guy um, you would go right. on uh, Bass Reeves, not Bass Reeves, excuse me, Ernest Marsh, uh, Actor, Stuntman, and Wrangler. And then when you find that, you just give it a like and you're connected and then you can see everything that he's doing. Right. When as far
1: as, as, far as, uh, as, far as um, the social media, they can also go to uh, IMDb, uh, Internet Movie Database, uh, and just Google my name, or you can just Google my name um, and Google and mm-hmm. things just start popping up.
0: Yeah, you're you're everywhere. Yeah. Um, so you're getting into Western history. You're doing amazing stuff with the Buffalo Soldiers. You're realizing that hey, I I want to delve more into this. I want to get the clothes. I want to be presentable. I want to I want to learn more. When did Bass Reeves cross your path?
1: Bass Reeves crossed my path back in twenty ten, um, and it was just by chance. Somebody mentioned a friend of mine mentioned to me that, "Hey, you look like uh, Bass Reeves." Well, see, I have a bushy mustache, and I've always had a bushy mustache, not knowing uh, it was the same kind of bushy mustache that Bass Reeves uh, thorn. And it was, it was. Uh, the, the um the um ass came as a result of hanging around cowboys in northern california that uh, we uh i was a member of the reading rodeo association and that we also had a a uh a gentleman's house where uh the house was owned by members and then the, the us working guys would get off work and Take our steak down to the uh the clubhouse, you know the group- the group house and uh, barbecue our steaks, and then we would go out dancing and and drinking um you know the rest of the night um but that crowd of guys were we were cowboys, and there were some criteria there either you you know you had to be a pilot you know fixed wing or helicopter uh you had to own a horse and you also had to buy into the cattle herd uh that we that we kept. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I was accepted to that group of, group of people, uh, and, uh, brand ran with them and we all had the same kind of mustache. And I just sort of let mine go, uh, uh, ballistic and, and over, over it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But you looked at it, your friends told you about Reeves. you kind of look like him. Then you realized I, I do kind of look like him. But something happened more. Like he, he, I get I really, that in 2010, I, yeah, but I, you you yeah, began I, to you began to really look like him, and in a way, I don't want to say morph into him, but but you were researching him to where right? I mean, or or was did you look at your wife and say, "Holy cow, I, I have found fa- no, Ernest no, 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 I, just,
1: I just I just saw his picture and I looked at I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm saying, "Yes, this is." Uh, we we could be brothers, you know. Uh, but it was it was one of those deals that you sort of say, "Wow, I can, I, you know, uh, I can I can be him and live in history," and um, and that's what people don't understand is that once you start doing something living history, it's not a matter of of watching Hollywood because Hollywood is all you know. It's it's popularized by different you know fashions that are incorrect in in old old wild west history so when you when i said okay i'm gonna do bass reeves i didn't have any gear. i didn't have i didn't have any didn't have a hat didn't have the clothes period clothes uh 1880s uh it was just all this here didn't didn't have so it took me oh about five years to put this stuff together in regards to uh a wardrobe or multiple wardrobes and uh what really solidified it for me was in 2012, uh, Harold uh, T. Holden, uh, the sculptor of the 25 uh, foot Dash Reeves uh, legacy statue called into the territories was unveiled in Fort Smith, Arkansas on May 26th of 20, 2012. And I, I was, I was going to be there. I was, I, Told my boss I wanted to go, but when the time came, it was like, "No, nope, we can't afford to have you leave." And so I missed that. I missed that unveiling, and uh, that was going to be my coming out of you know as, as Bass Reeves to the public. And um, so when that didn't happen, I just continued on, continued on to learn more as much as I could. I read Art Burton's books. Uh, do as much research as I could online, um, and just listen to to his his story. That he was a hero. Uh, he was a hero that was had gone unrecognized in in history. Um, and can't oh, from service. and uh, and in twenty twenty, I had a chance to uh get into acting um there was a casting call that went out for for cowboys uh, western types uh down in arizona 12 westerns in 12 months by travis mills um with uh running wild films and so he cast me as a as a background uh extra and that's that's where i started two years ago with uh movies and uh television um uh, with the, with my acting career
0: but the Bass Reeves part because Bass Reeves now I hate to say it, it's gonna sound weird, is now becoming as popular as ever. And and, and
1: I I attribute that to uh George Floyd and hmm. it's it's the awareness of Black Lives Matter. Um and it was like I didn't understand what Black Lives Matter meant uh, because I was saying to myself, all lives matter. But it's that Black Lives Matter in regards to what has happened to blacks since slavery, you know, uh, 1600s, of not being denied an education, being denied the ability to to write. Uh, Bass was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. Because uh, he was a slave, so all this really uh, sort of hit with George Floyd in regards to you know are blacks in America treated? How are they treated? You know, um, how are they seen? How are they perceived? And when it got to to Bash Reeves, uh, he was whitewashed. It's basically you know you pick up any book at all and you would about great marshals, great sheriffs, um, you know, great people that, that lawmen of the West, uh, Bass Reeves was excluded. Uh, it wasn't until really Art Burton wrote his book, uh, you know, uh, black and silver star that really brought Bass out of the closet. I mean, yeah, brought him out of the, not the closet, as so should say, the trash can, mm-hmm. um, to where, uh, People were saying, "Wow, this guy did this," you know. And Art did uh, decades, th- three or four decades of research um, on on Bass. And so, when I read his book, I said, "Wow, this this is a story that needs to be told." And um, so, I I took it on, you know, with 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 a with just you know with the fever that I I had to do Bass. I had to become Bass. And I'm six foot two, uh, 200 pounds. Bass is six foot two, 190, 200 pounds. Um, but, you know, bass is mulatto. Uh, I'm part, part white. You know, it's it's um, these sort of similarities started mm-hmm. to, to uh, come across. You know, bass is an animal lover. I'm an animal lover. You know, um, it's just all these things sort of came across that, you know here's this man, a quiet man, but he got the job done, and it's like me in my life, you know it's like I'm not a loud person, I'm not boisterous or whatever I'm just you know, I'm quiet, and I go get my job done and, and do it well you know and uh, and that's but how we grew up you know was that our parents always told us that in order to be equal uh, since you were a minority, you had to be twice as good and uh in order to be to be on the same. Same plane, you know. Same plane level. Is there anyone else? But um, I, I said, Bass. Bash is a person that just needs to to be told a story. Needs to be told. And I went to uh, Muskogee to uh, in twenty nineteen to uh, the Bass Reeves Western History Conference. It was a three day event, and I remember uh, getting the time off work. Jumped on a plane, got to Tulsa, got me an Uber straight to the Three uh, Rivers Museum uh, for the Bass Reeves Western History Conference, and they, they said, "Oh, you should have been there earlier. You could, could have won the mustache contest." <laughs> but that's and that's where it, that's where it basically started. It started there in regards to my coming out as Bass Reeves and in public. Public and getting uh, the notoriety uh, in you know the uh, different different castings. Uh, I was cast in uh, a, a movie called The Righteous Twelve as Bass Reeves. Uh, that's that's currently out right now in different venues, uh, you know, coast to coast. Uh, that was uh, Avondale uh, Pictures by Chuck Williams, and um, we actually shot that in Tombstone. Uh, Arizona. Uh on it you know, and all the all the different movie venues that uh Arizona has, you know, old Tucson Studios, Mcal, uh, uh Harker's Harker's uh and uh Old Tombstone. Mm-hmm. So that, that that movie was shot in all those different venues mm-hmm. and I, I portrayed uh, Bass Bass Reeves uh with my Indian posseman.
0: Gotcha. Yes. When when you started doing the Bass Reeves part and living I don't want to say living your life, but living your professional life, because he's probably your profession now. Um was it difficult finding cause Art Burton had written the book about him, but was it difficult finding information since he was and I don't want to use whitewashed, I'd rather say covered over. He was covered over and forgotten about and pushed aside. Was it hard to find information about him in the beginning or, or was Art Burton's book so instrumental in your learning and grasping of Bass Reeves? Was that enough? Uh,
1: no. And this, this is the reason is that fiction and nonfiction. Um, you know, there's a lot of novels out there on Bass and that's, that's fine. That's great. Uh, there's historical novels out there. Um, uh, but a lot of that, you know Bass's life, in and of itself, doesn't need to, to be embellished on. It's it's his his story is is just so great that you don't need to have Hollywood screenwriters changing it. Uh, you don't need to have novelists. You know, to to Louis L'Amour. Uh It's it's his story is is great. Just just being Bass, mm-hmm. and that's what I found. It was that there wasn't hardly Any information at all dealing with the truth, you know, the just the simple facts of Bass's life, you know, uh, where he lived, you know, who he lived with, the jobs that he had, you know, um, and we're and we're I I research Bass every day, uh, trying to find those periods in time that are unaccounted for, Um, but. It's, it's real easy to find information on Bass in a novel or, or a comic book, um, you know, uh, but it's really hard to find information on Bass that is accurate and truthful, and, and it really happened. And, uh, and that's why Art Burton is, is the, uh, the best-selling author uh, on Bass Reefs, because his book is all fact. It's all factual.
0: Well, and that's why I like, I love this article that he wrote in the True magazine. If you guys want to see the True that I'm talking about, go to the back, go to truestmagazine.com. You can go to order a back order or back issue. And that's the February, March 2021 uh, magazine. But in the magazine is this, you can't even put it down because the pictures, like I'm a picture person, but it's Bass Reeves, The Invincible Lawman by Art Burton you know, you really want to go get this magazine because the the pictures in the article are, are they're great. Like, you can't, I can't even believe where Art got these photos. And then there's even, he even debunks some photos that people think are Bass Reeves. And he's like, no, these aren't Bass Reeves. And don't buy them. You know, it almost says, which it does for me, is follow my book because my book I've researched if you want to know the truth. And again that's Art Burton's book. Uh and I haven't met Art but I'll I'll meet him soon. Art Burton's book. You can get Black Gun Silver Star at artburton.com and I'm sure he's at Booksellers and Amazon near you. Yes. We have about we have about 20 minutes.
1: The wow. um the book is oh, is an audio, audio book as well. Okay. Uh so it's a it's a, it's something that I, I use as a as a tool, and uh I have my earbuds in listening to arts book uh via you know audiobooks mm-hmm. and and it's it's running it's running when I go to bed it's running when I'm doing my chores it's running when i'm driving and it's uh to to get to get to because there's always information that I missed that i that didn't get the first time, and I'm like, oh wow, did that that happened and a lot a lot of things happens with with bass. And that is, yes, he's getting his notoriety, and I, and I attribute that to the George Floyd movement, Black Lives Matter. I attribute Bass is getting his notoriety as a result of the policing, the modern-day policing in regards to um, how cops have that discretion to be the judge, jury, and the executioner, and the snap of a finger, um, so you have a you have a police officer, a lawman that is a slave was a slave that defeats you know all those obstacles and becomes a, a living legend, um, and that story isn't told. It's, it's, there's you can count Bass's pictures on your hand on one hand known pictures, and that's why there's a lot of misidentification. Uh, in regards to, Hey, we think this picture is Bass. Or we think this picture is Bass. No, those are pictures of criminals. <laughs> those, are, those are pictures of, uh, uh, other people that, you know, Bass is, he was maybe, maybe he was camera shy. I don't know, but there's, you know, there's, there's no pictures of him. And what, and what really lacks is that there was no one that did his autobiography, like some of the other gunfighters, like some of the other lawmen, um, you know, like Wyatt Earp, he sat down with an autobiographer and gave his story. You know, Battrees didn't have that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, but what we do have is a living record in the National Archives of all the stuff that he did in regards, you know, his, his testimony on the stand. Uh, we have newspaper articles that, Say hey, here's here's Bass Reeves coming into town with sixteen people, you know, all at once, you know, and people don't understand the the Indian Territory was like present day Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. and present day Oklahoma uh, is a result of those marshals, deputy marshals that went into the Indian Territory and cleaned it up because there was a it was a, a land of with without any law. Um, you know, just the Indian tribes, but the Indian tribes had their own problems. Uh, they had their own police force, you know, the, the Indian black horse policemen. Um, so the Indian territory was an equivalent to like today, going to Mexico to escape, you know, uh, prosecution. Um, so when when Bass was hired by, by uh, Judge Parker, um, he already had a skill set of, knowing the land because he, he he lived in the Indian territory, he knew the people. He knew the Indians. he knew the he, he knew the uh the uh the whites that were you know leasing lands from the Indians. Uh he knew the uh the slaves, the, you know the the slaves that the Indians owned and uh they, they were, you know, now a part of the 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 free. Uh and he uh Was a black man, so he uh, was a little looked at a little more. uh, You know, they accepted him more so than than a white man, a a white lawman. So he was able to get a lot done in the Indian Territory by by these the number of arrests in the the period that he he walked in the Valley of Death. You know, he he rode in the Valley of Death. You know, because uh, about eighty miles. You know, west of uh, Fort Fort Smith, they call it the Deadline, mm-hmm. and that was you know uh, telling Lawman, "Hey, <laughs> you're, you're, we're going to shoot you on sight." Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, well, but, you know it's it's, it's yeah. just it's just one of these things that I I just sort of say. Yes, you know, when I introduce myself and I, I'm talking to people and I'm in the I'm in wardrobe, I, I am Bass <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, I, I bring him to life.
0: Well, and I've seen your video, and you can go on YouTube and search it out on YouTube. And, uh, I think there's some links in your Facebook page because I watched the YouTube, it was fantastic. You come out Thank with you. a rifle, you come out with a saddle, and you look fantastic. You look amazing in the hat and the wardrobe and what you said is true. When, when I saw you come out on stage, I'm not looking at Ernest Mart. I'm looking at, and I don't want to say younger Bass Reeves because he was much better looking than you, but the older, the older Bass Reeves, because that's really what you portray. I was giving you a joke. You didn't go for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for the phone to go click. Um right. But, right, um, right. you know, you, you look, just like him. And then, and then the history that comes from you is insane. And, and you're doing such a great job at it. And, and I hope Bass is up in heaven saying, man, dude, keep doing what you're doing. Thank, or thank you. You know, thank you for, for bringing credit to uh, my life. Um, yeah.
1: It's it's not about me. It's, it's about Bass. And I tell people that all the time and,
0: um, yeah, but, you but, know, but it is about you in a way because you took, you took the responsibility to say, and even through the influence of black lives matter to say, I'm going to research this. I'm going to do this. He needs to be recognized. He was a great man and it's his time to shine. So as much yes. as I, I get that you want to say it's about Bass, from my view it's also about you doing an amazing service.
1: Yes, yeah. I, I appreciate that. I I the biggest thing I uh, misidentification I had was while I was in tombstone for uh Doc Holidays. Yeah, uh, they they celebrate you know Doc Holidays, uh, you know Wyatt Earp Days, and there's the big El Dorado. And, mm-hmm. But I was in Tombstone, um, and that's a, that's a great venue for reenactors and living history people. And I was walking the street, and somebody walked up to me and said, "Hey, you're 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 Wyatt Earp, aren't you?" <laughs> I said, "Well, hey, uh, you know, I, I know the sun is hot here <laughs> in Arizona, but it's not that hot." <laughs> But uh, but it was just you know the, the the lack of history that people you know uh, it's it's not just Hollywood it's, it's it's you know Hollywood starts a story but we have to finish it by going back and reading a book and doing doing the research ourselves in regards to who was this person you know mm-hmm. um, uh, in the movie the harder they fall uh, they had actual names of of historical figures historical people. Uh, but they were not portrayed in, in, in the, in their true, you know, uh, in in their true roles. Right. And, uh, and that's what we take when we watch a Hollywood film is that now we believe this, this Hollywood history. And it's, it's difficult to go back and, and, and disprove it by, Hey, this, these are the facts. And Mm -hmm. that's why, I want to do the living history. You know, I, I'm a reenactor. Uh, I'm an actor, but I'm also a reenactor and portray living history so that Bass's story is, is told. And it's, it's not just, you know, uh, the, the things that he did because Bass was a father, you know, uh, you know, he was a farmer, he was a rancher, uh, he was a, a horseman. Um, he was a tracker. He was a scout, um, You know, and and it was all these things he did every day, you know, and having to leave his family to go out on a, on a, to serve warrants, you know, be gone for a month, a month and a half, traveling 800 miles, you know, um, one way and 800 miles back uh, on horseback. Um, You know, him, just his presence of mind. And Mm. what people also miss is that Bass. Was raised as a slave, but his slave owners were educated people. They were politicians. Um, you know the William Still Reeves family when they came to uh, Grayson County, Texas, from uh, Crawford County, Arkansas. They they came for the for the for the land grants, the free land grants. Uh, you know, uh, William Still Reeves. Uh, you know the patriarch of the of the uh, of the family. He received 320 acres uh, and had a choice of which county to patent that land, uh, whether it's going to be Tarrant County or Fanning County. And, you know, he says, well, let's make a new county. Let's call it Grayson County. And guess who was a tax collector? His son. (laughs) (laughs) After, after, after his son was the, the tax collector, he bumped himself up to being the sheriff of Grayson County, uh, George, George uh, Robeson Reese. And, and that was who Bass hung around every day. Those people, you know, he, he, he was their valet. He was their, their, their manservant. So he, not only is he seeing, you know, civil service, being done, he's, he's listening to it and learning from it on how to conduct himself, you know, how to present himself. And, uh, Bass was, was well dressed, you know, his boots were always highly polished because of his upbringing, you know, and, uh, he spent, he spent a long time in Texas from the age of eight up to the time that he was 26 in, in Texas. And, uh, and that formed, that formed him in regards to, it was absolute, you know. It's either black or white. You know, the law mm-hmm. is the law, and that's would always we say, "Well, it's the only one we have." Right. You know. Um, so, to me, if I can if I can portray Bass in that light and give someone a, a basically a feeling of being in the presence of a black Western lawman, you know, with the guns, with the handcuffs, with the rifle, with the cowboy hat you know, maybe, you know, um, they'll start seeing something that the West wasn't just cowboys and Indians.
0: Right. And that's true because it isn't. And it makes up everything. I've, I've interviewed Charles Hancock, who's a Buffalo Soldiers reenactor and historian in Sierra Vista. And he says the same thing. It's, there was more than just cowboys and Indians. There was Buffalo soldiers, and there was African Americans doing amazing things in the military and in everyday life, and and in the Old West and in the early 1900s. So we was
1: well, like uh, when we talk about the Trail of Tears, right? Uh, the Indian Removal Act, uh, 1830. The folks don't understand, I didn't, I wasn't taught in school that. Those Indians, you know, the the uh, five the uh, five tribes owned Indians. I mean, owned slaves uh, and brought them with them uh, mm-hmm. to Oklahoma. You know, to the Indian Territory. And I was like, that was a new one on me. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So it's like a, I want to be able to tell the story and get it correct uh, as much as I can, and and it's. And it's one of those things that it, it, you just never stop learning. You just never stop learning. You know, it's like uh, I ride and train horses, and it's like you can never know enough about horses. You know, you're continually training. And uh, but it's it's uh, you know the the rifle that I have was a gift from the uh, uh, one of his family members. Ooh. And it's a rifle that. Bass may have carried, you know, uh, it's an old Winchester 73. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so when I hold that rifle, I'm, I'm holding history in my hands. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, well, my gosh, Bass could have used this rifle and actually shot a person that he had to, because he Mm -hmm. arrested over 4,000 people, you know, uh, he had to use deadly force, you know, 20 times when it was necessary. Um it, it it's it's so much about his life that, that you just want to say, wow, you know, uh he was the only deputy that started with uh Parker, Judge Isaac Parker, you know, and uh hmm. and, and went through um and that was like May tenth of eighteen seventy five, through um when Parker died up in eighteen ninety six. Uh, you know, and then he ca- he continued on to Oklahoma statehood, you know November sixteenth, nineteen oh seven? So it's it's like he is he is basically Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, um, you know, as far as a, uh, a mascot, okay. and uh, a lot of folks just don't don't understand the things that he did. You know, for Oklahoma, for his job, for duty. Um, that it's overseen, you know, because you you have to imagine bringing in those criminals. Each one of those criminals could have killed them, could have assassinated them. And then that was the, the, you know, the Indian territory, that's where they lost the most U.S. Marshals, deputy marshals.
0: Um, well, let, ask, let me ask, ask you, let me ask uh, you, before because yes, we, we're coming up to the end of time. It goes by fast. Yes. Um, will you come back again? Absolutely. Because we haven't even spoke about 1883 or your yes. acting. And I think there's yep. more to dive into because I'd like to do a deeper dive into uh, Bass Reeves than we're doing now.
1: Yeah, I I got to tell this one story before we leave. Okay. Bass Reeves and Bell Star, people know Bell Star, you know, the Jesse James, the female Jesse James of the West, which you, you actually knew Jesse James as well. But Bellstar lived in the Indian Territory, uh, Younger's, Youngers Bend. Uh, it's what they call that on the, on the river. And Bass rides up to Bellstar's house one day, and and Doctor Mooney and his wife, uh, Ella, I believe her name's Ella, are at Bellstar's at Bell house, and because Doctor Mooney is Bellstar's personal physician, Bass. Rides up to the house. You know, the Great Danes are, are, are barking. Bell Star goes out to the porch. Waves at Bass. Hey, come on in. Bass comes in her house. And meets Dr. Money. Dr. Mooney's wife. Uh, Elsa, Ella, and have a conversation. <laughs> nice. Have a conversation. Well... The conversation is is that Bell tells Dr. Mooney, Bass is my friend. He's welcome anytime. Mm. Bass uh, mentored um, Bell Star's son, Eddie. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Reed. And mm. he was a he became a dick because he got arrested for horse thiever horse thievery. But he was also uh, arrested, you know, went to prison, you know, came back. And, uh, Bass went to Judge Parker and said, Hey, let's give him another chance. And Parker says, Yeah, he needs another chance. And so they allowed him to become a deputy marshal. And Bass was the one that he, that was, he, he trained him. Hmm. And, uh, unfortunately, Eddie died in a, in a, in a shootout. But, um, but it's, it was one of those like, Why, why would Bass mentor one of Bellstar's sons? You know, all these little stories, these little backstories.
0: Well, we got to wrap it up. I hate to say that to you, but we have to, um, for, we'll, we'll come back. We'll do another one. I think we got more to talk about Bass and we got some more to talk about with Ernest, uh, you can find this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Please give a rating and a review uh, if you like it or subscribe because there's new content coming out all the time. If you're a YouTuber, uh, this podcast will be on YouTube along with all my other podcasts. You can go to Cochise County Travels and find me there. Uh, you know It's important, again, to subscribe and give a rating and review. It helps me out. And if you want to find out about Ernest, again, go on Facebook and look up Uh, Ernest Marsh, that's E-R-N-E-S-T, Marsh, M-A-R-S-H, actor, stuntman, and wrangler. As always, I appreciate you guys a bunch. Safe travels, and we'll see you soon.